Well, hey everybody, Jonathan Doyle with you once again. Welcome, friends, to the Catholic Teacher Daily Podcast. Hope you're doing well. I hope you're sitting somewhere quiet or walking somewhere quiet or driving somewhere quiet because this one today, we're going to talk about something really important but deep and challenging. Why? Because it comes from the famous continental philosopher, Immanuel Kant. I came across this this morning. After morning prayer, I said to the Holy Spirit, give me something to give these guys, something that's going to be useful. And of course, he led me to one of the most complex and difficult philosophers of the last several hundred years, Immanuel Kant. If you're not familiar with Kant, he's had a huge influence on philosophy uh, over recent centuries. And part of the reason was because he was a guy that was trying to figure out how can you get people to be good in the absence of God? So as the Enlightenment rolled on, many of philosophers were wrestling with these great themes, you know, coming obviously right through the High Middle Ages, the scholastic philosophers. We'd lived in a very Christian cosmology. The, uh, the men and women of Europe had lived in a milieu, in an environment that was uh, a heavily Christian cosmology. People saw re- the reality of life, the cosmos itself as deeply reflective of who God had revealed himself to be. So, of course, when you have the Enlightenment and you have some of these great shifts taking place, the question became, well, how should people behave if God isn't real? And I was thinking, you know, we go back to Rene Descartes, who famously said, you know, cogito ergo sum, you might have heard of the, I think, therefore I am. That's really important because it was a a massive move that um, situated reality and consciousness inside ourselves. So, you know, Descartes was like, you know, it's my thoughts that shape the world. It's my my thoughts, my thinking that shapes reality, rather than, I guess, the Christian cosmology, which is that reality is a given. It's, It's given to us to encounter and to discover God amongst the data of reality itself. How you doing? You're hanging in there because it's complex, isn't it? But if I could simplify it, I'll bring you back to that statement I've already made, that really what Kant was trying to work out was, how do you get people to be good in the absence of God? How's that relevant to you? Well, think about our work as Catholic educators, right? We're trying to help young people see a moral vision of reality. And in many ways, our societies are massively grasping with this and uh, grappling, sorry, with this question. And you go back to Benedict XVI again, who sort of, was wrestling with a similar thing to Kant. And, and he was saying that, particularly in Europe, he said people had, you know, governments are struggling to figure out how to make people be good if they won't regulate themselves. And it goes back to Plato's Republic. Like, if we are not able to self-regulate, if we're not able to manage ourselves and live in society, then it's not just sort of societal breakdown that you get. What you tend to get is the raw exercise of power, usually governmental power that governments tend to use more and more methodologies to control people's behavior. So you can see why Catholic education, once again, as I've said so many times, becomes a truly prophetic and important thing in our culture. Because rather than, you know, getting people to accept or fear the exercise of external power, it can help people to encounter a deep internal experience of the true, the good, and the beautiful. So when somebody is a disciple of Jesus Christ, they tend to operate in the world differently to somebody who isn't. 
So let me give you Kant's quote. Now let's, let's talk a little bit about how it relates to education. He says this, if you punish a child for being naughty and reward them for being good, they will do right merely for the sake of the reward. And when they go out into the world and find that goodness is not always rewarded, nor wickedness always punished, they will grow into someone who only thinks about how they may get on in the world, and they do right or wrong accordingly as they find advantage to themselves. That's really deep. It's important. He's saying that if we structure our education system, our parenting, our families, our communities to simply create systems of reward and punishment, and you know, we've all been in schools where, you know, the we, we can build structures and systems that make it really, and we need boundaries, right? I'm not saying, of course, that we don't need consequences and boundaries. You know, one of the best ways you can have a harmonious and just and holy school environment is to have clear boundaries around acceptable behaviors. But Kant's going deeper here. He's going, if we simply get young people to understand they should do the right thing or the wrong, you know, avoid the wrong thing only around the concepts of reward and punishment, then they will go out into the world and begin to look around them and say, what can I get away with? And you look at much of our political class, you look at much of our media class, you look at much of, I guess, the, the ruling classes of our culture is there's, there's a great sense, I'm, I'm not amongst everybody, but amongst a significant number of what can be got away with. So let's talk about you guys. The vision that you give young people of reality, of who they are, of who God is, creates a profound internal reality over time where young people will begin to seek the true, the good, and the beautiful. My eldest daughter uh, is pursuing a classical education, so she's out of uh, normal schooling now, and she's um, educating, she's being home educated, and we're pursuing a very classical curriculum. And one of the things I've been talking about with her recently is that what the classics do, what classical thinking does, is exposes her to the best thinking of the greatest men and women in history and helps her to gravitate towards virtue and to discover her interior genius and goodness. Now, this is what you guys are doing every single day. That in the smallest ways, you know, maybe you're dealing with an issue where there's been conflict between students or there's been a behavior that's inappropriate. The ability to move beyond, you know, pure right and wrong, the ability to move beyond pure reward or punishment, reward and consequence, the ability to help your school community, your classroom, your individual students begin to deepen in relationship with Christ so that they begin to live, act, perceive, and judge in a particular way. And really, friends, what that is, that's the interior, it's the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, isn't it? It's the release of that baptismal pledge. That, you know, rather than just a dogmatic system of rules and punishments, we come to this system of relationship, where the relationship with Christ begins to change who we are as educators and can change our students. You know, you look through the Old Testament, you know, you, you know, God first appears to the Israelites in a world that is highly structured around consequences, rules and punishments and rituals and laws. And, you know, they're not, God doesn't jettison those things, but he gradually draws them into what? Into a deeper revelation. 
And then you have St. Paul, of course, who just, you know, clearly towards the end of the New Testament is saying that, you know, the blood of bulls and goats, you know, that's done away with. There's a deeper reality now. You know, we no longer live to, we no longer need to live in fear and we no longer need to worry that we must do this thing at the right time, exactly the right way. We're drawn into something else. So friends, it's been a longer one today. I hope it's not too exhausting to, to listen to this one, but I guess what I'm trying to say from my heart is you are positioned in a very important place at a very important time in history. I mean, you can see it all around you, can't you, right? There, there is a lot of cultural breakdown happening. There's a lot of loss of faith in our institutions. So what is going to transform culture is going to be young men and women who have had a deep exposure to what is true, what is good, and what is beautiful, and that is the person of Jesus Christ. So whatever you are doing every day to draw young people deeper into relationship, moments of silence, moments of prayer, teaching the sacraments, creating reverence, exposing them to the beauty of the church's liturgy and music and art and history and starting each class with silence and prayer and beautiful poetry, all these little things that create this different interior reality. All right, friends, so we have covered everything there. We've covered Rene Descartes, Emmanuel Kant, Benedict XVI, Continental Philosophy, the Enlightenment, the Old Testament, the New Testament, you get a lot of bang for your buck. We're not even at the 10-minute mark. So um, God bless you. I hope this is a blessing to you as you go about your crucial, beautiful, culture-changing work. Be encouraged. God is seeing everything you do. Uh, I'd love it if you could subscribe to the podcast. And of course, if you can share this with people, that would be a huge blessing. My name's Jonathan Doyle. This has been the Catholic Teacher Daily Podcast, and I'll have another message for you tomorrow.